My name is Matt Brown. Little stutter step move by Parsons. Jones fires, and the pass is intercepted by Diggs. He goes down, and the Cowboys think they've wrapped it up. Oh, God. Let's start the show. I don't know. This is, this is risky. It is And we just told you he's only had one block in 14 years, and that was number two. a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Wednesday, September 28th, 2022, and it happened again. Another awesome week in the NFL. We had some highs, some lows, some highs if you're a Dolphins fan, some lows if you're a Giants fan like me, and then everything else beyond that and in between. But before we delve into this insane week in the National Football League, I wanted to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdConvoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So... Deep breaths, at least for me as I record the Monday, the Tuesday morning after a heartbreaking Giants loss. And of course, we're going to cover all the NFL as per usual with our productive NFL crew. But if you just give me a moment before I hand it off to both or all three of us in Alex, Brian and myself, but... The New York Giants on Monday night lose a heartbreaker 23 to 16 against the Dallas Cowboys. And I own up my confidence coming into this game and how much I wanted to see the Cowboys lose, how much I wanted to see them suffer, how much I just wanted to see them embarrass. And finally, the Giants can have some notoriety to them. And I do think after a hard-fought, an absolutely hard-fought game for the Giants, especially at least on the offensive side, even though there were so many problems with our line, letting 22 hurries for Daniel Jones, all oh, that's tough. But that dude really, really pushed. He was able to get out of these intense, intense blitz. He was able to make passes when he can. And of course, his ultimate weakness, the turnover took place on the final play of the game. Oh man, I don't know who he was throwing to. I mean, I know that receiver. I couldn't, can't think of his name. Fell, but shit, just that open field interception from Diggs to end the game uh, breaks your heart because Daniel Jones is zero and nine in prime time. The Giants are, I think, have lost ten of their last eleven against Dallas. There was some real momentum, the whiteout, the health of our team wasn't going to be an, an issue. Kevon Thibodeau coming back, Aziz coming back, and we have all the weapons we need, and we lose. We not only lose this game, it looks like we lose Sterling Shepard to a horrendous knee injury, and that guy's had his problem staying on the field for the Giants, but 
we love him. We really do love him. If you're a Giants fan and you don't like Sterling Shepard and what he's given to this franchise, especially after the abysmal five years we've been under, you're just a POS when it comes to the New York Giants fan base and get out of here. But that was that was a uh, tough pill to swallow for me on a fantasy level, for me on a wagering level oh, if the Giants just won their money line uh, it just it sucks it sucks and uh, well before we hit all the other 32 teams and I have definitely my criticisms my praises and a lot of energy to give but uh, it just sucks being a Giants fan today and you just can't wait for Sunday when we play a struggling Chicago Bears team in a must win in the sense that we can't lose to this team. We can't go 2-2 two and two after such an awesome 2-0 and oh start. I'm excited for what's going to take place at MetLife Stadium in five days from now. And let's just get back on the horse and move forward. And who knows what we can bring to the table. And hopefully this uh, offensive line is not an issue again. It didn't seem to be against Carolina and Tennessee. Uh, I mean, Dallas has Michael Parsons in itself and other great pass rushers, and they put a lot of pressure. And um, well, we are hungry and angry, and it's time to give some blunt force trauma to the Chicago Bears this week. And now it's my time to answer up to Brian McKee and the Cowboys fan. I hope he brings that energy because I'm recording this the morning before a podcast, and we record at night. And then we have Alex's frustrations cheering for the only 0-3 team. And then we have primetime matchups that were fun, like... Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady primetime matchups that weren't fun like the 49ers and Denver and and uh, other fun games in between a big upset with Miami defeating Buffalo the Chiefs fall into the Colts um, and other storylines to discuss and have fun with and Let's get on this ride once and for all. Let's talk about week three in the NFL. Then let's look into week four ahead with upsets, whimpers, and thrillers. And let's enjoy each other's company while we do it. So, Brian and Alex, it's your turn once again. Let's talk some football. Here we go. Actually, one second. Let's not forget about the horrendous officiating during the Monday Night Football game. Now, it was bad for both sides, both the Giants and Cowboys, but it would have been nice if this game was an honest one. It wasn't, and, uh, you know, we can't dwell on that too much, but it would have been interesting to see if uh, certain calls weren't made. Okay. I just want to let that out. Now for real, Brian and Alex, it's your guys' turn once again. Let's talk about week three in the NFL and look into week four. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. All right. You know, there's a song by Marvin Gaye called Flying High. One of the best lyrics from it is, I go to a place where danger awaits me. As I declared to start off this NFL show that the New York Giants were going to make the Dallas Cowboys bleed. They were going to put them on their rear ends. They were going to make them suffer. 
Well, as, we, as I said, as the show kicks off, the complete opposite happened. And I'm here to uh, soak in any bullets that fellow cowboys in this room have, comments I've seen online. And as we discuss the entire NFL as per usual, I just want to say that Monday night sucked for me and any other Giants fans. And before I give any analysis, I have to fairly open the floor to Mr. Brian McKeon, who's here. Welcome, Brian. And we also have Mr. Alex Rinelli, the Raiders fan, who's had some uh, tough luck as well. What's up, gentlemen? How we doing? Good to see you guys. Let's get it on. <laughs> well, yes. So as I give that little cold open, we start with the Giants and Cowboys of Monday night. Dallas wins 23-16. And um, here we go. I still have to say before I get my analysis, but uh, here you go, Brian. What's going on? What do you have to say about your Dallas Cowboys yesterday? You know, I'm not going to talk trash or anything like that because I'm not that Cowboy fan. Um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty, pretty level-headed. I'm going to start off with the Giants. I think the Giants are a legit NFL team for the first time in a while. I think they have a decent to good defense. Um, I think that Daniel Jones is actually, as I was watching the game, even though he got crushed because of how bad your offensive line is, um, that's my next take. But I, I'm actually – he played well. He, he did well for the circumstances that he was put in. So you know what? Kudos to him for toughing it out. Um, tough loss for them because I really think that they could have won this game. Uh, I think it comes down to just the offensive line inefficiencies of, you know, you guys having these, you were extending drives and extending drives. Um, but, you know, your offensive line would lit up a sack. Um, kudos to Demarcus Lawrence having a flashback uh, uh, moment of his career, having three sacks in the game. Haven't done that in a very long time. But, uh, you know, if you guys – Start working on your offensive line. You got drafted those two tackles, and they continue to grow. I think you'll do well. When it comes to Dallas, you know, uh, they did exactly they did exactly what they you know needed to do, and then uh, run the ball, which they did. They ran thirty times, and I'm happy they did because that's the key to their success. Pollard and Elliott really uh, very good compliments of each other. Uh, Ceedee Lamb played well, even though he dropped a open touchdown, which is another reason why we should keep Amari Cooper because Cooper Coop don't drop stuff as we see in the Browns game. Uh, Noah Brown's playing lights out. And uh, Cooper Rush is 3-0 as a starter and, you know, is continuing to prove that he's a good backup. So, you know what? I'm happy with the win. And I'm just going to go to the next week and not even gloat or anything like that because I'll take a win as, as it goes right now with a backup quarterback. Well, that's very nice of you, Brian, because I won't lie, I would have done the opposite of that if, <laughs> if it was the opposite. But we'll leave that to another day, and I respect and absolutely respect your professionalism in this. Anytime. But, yes, 23 hurries against Daniel Jones. Pollard and Zeke pounded the pass rush. DJ gave it everything, but um, some real weaknesses did uphold. And... I guess you, even though it's week three, uh, we still have a game against Chicago that should be winnable. But um, I think uh, the one thing, the ultimate thing to get out of this matchup is 
how well the team is coached. I think of a lot of Absolutely. other coaches yeah. or personnel were in there, it would have been a blowout. I mean, if we had the Jets coach in this team, it would have been a 40 point game. But <laughs> um, yes, hell of a fight. But, um, you know, all I could ask is for competitive football at this point. And if this team is anything worthwhile, at least get yourself in the wild card discussion throughout this season. But ultimately, I think long term that you won't see it. These type of these players mostly on the field next season. I don't think I think this shows that Daniel Jones, even though he's definitely improved, I don't think he's the guy long term for the Giants. No. I think uh, Brian Dayball and Joe Shane want to have their own regime, not this mostly Gettleman. Yeah. Um, mostly Gettleman selected team. And um, though it was fun while it lasted, the numbers don't lie. It DJ's 0-9 in prime time. And um, despite the promise with Saquon as well, I think this was just a cold, hard reality. The Giants may have been the, be- yeah. the worst 2-0 team to start the season. And um, sure, there could be those other two games against Tennessee and Carolina could have gone the other way as well. It could be an 0-3 team, but um, despite the fight, this Giants team really isn't that good on paper with his players. But um, as long as Dable keeps them afloat, even if they're all gone, most of them are gone next year, um, these games, to keep it close, makes it as fun as it can be. Yeah, I think that's that's really what it boils down to, Maz. I think if you're a Brian Dable on that offensive crew, you have to kind of scheme for what you've been given in terms of the 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 hand of cards you've been dealt because mm-hmm. of that stuff um, last night, you know, while it was competitive football, it really just came down to where the rubber met the road. I mean, three for 11 on, on third down was really the most telling stat for me. And like Brian alluded to earlier, um, giving up five sacks is, is no winning recipe for a quarterback, no matter how good. So I think a lot of it just has to do with limitations with the roster. So like you said, um, you know, kind of build, you know, build a culture you want to, and then let those guys draft the guys they want to moving forward and make cuts on the 53 man roster. Yeah. I mean, look, the giants, the highest paid offensive player, Kenny Galladay is barely getting anything. If that shows, if that shows what the future comes that they want to do it their way, you know, after the last six years of crap, how can you uh, deny them from that? So Oh no! Did it go our way? I'm here to eat crow and staying corrected, but um, you know, a lot of winnable games schedule. Yeah, yeah, I'll make I'll make one comment. I think you got. I think you're being a very sore Giant fan right now with reality. I think you do have a decent team though. You do have a good, decent team. Your defense is young, plays well. You held Dallas to 23 points when easily they could have scored three touchdowns in the first half alone that were field goals that were just penalties and mismanagement and a drop catch. So you did do, you know, you had some luck and you did play well. And I think Daniel Jones is actually a decent quarterback. You know, you, I, it, this, it comes down to the, you can't like judge there's certain players. Like I could judge Justin Fields as a bad quarterback, even though he's on that bears team with that bad offensive line you could just tell but when you see you but when you look at daniel jones and you see him actually you know the two weeks beforehand not get hit he plays well 
So I think you guys do have a shot. I think it just comes down to you need to, he's the quarterback that you need to surround with a bunch of pieces. So if you want to go that route, you just need to get him the help he needs. Um, I'll make this last note about the Giants. Gabe Davis is going to have to get paid eventually from Buffalo. And who was the offensive coordinator in Buffalo? That might be your next number one receiver. I thought about that this weekend. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, sure. There are some players you could be happy with. Your Tate Crowder and Adore Jacksons. But sometimes the secondary might uh, be lost. There was a lot of times with CeeDee Lamb, even – there were so many chances and opportunities he got. That was a tough pill to swallow. Aziz and Kevon in their season debuts and Kevon Thibodeau's in his uh, NFL debut really did it, really were non-existent in pressuring. But I do see your point. I agree with you, Brian, that they definitely have potential. But um, these weaker teams, you have to uh, take advantage of for experience. But then when you play tougher opponents like Baltimore, and Green Bay in the upcoming season, then we could see what they really have. But for now, this is a 2-1 team. People didn't expect it. If you could just win against Chicago on Sunday, yep. and then you're a 3-1 team going into it, you will you have a good chance to be a wild in the wild card discussion throughout the rest of the season. And Absolutely. that's all I could hope for from here on out. So next up, we have the uh Broad, we have the Bucks and and we have the Bucks and Green Bay. Now, it's been a topsy turvy ways to say it. You know what's up, Alex? I know you and I had a little disagreement over the weekend with um, how Aaron Rodgers specifically was looking. And you know, one thing I'll admit, I came at Alex about how good Aaron Rodgers looked after looking bleak in week one, which we all could agree with. And then if we just, the game just ended on the first half, they'd have some momentum. You know, this uh, ultimately Green Bay wins the game by the skin of their teeth. I think one thing that shows that I think um, Tom Brady, without missing all his weapons, no Evans, no Godwin or Julio Jones. And yet with players like Russell Gage and Scotty Miller, he was able to at least give him a fighting chance. So it was a low scoring game as predicted, but, um, but ultimately anything I could get out of it is I do think that Aaron Rodgers still has some great momentum. And even with his lack of weapons, is still trying to find that chemistry. This team, um, we're focusing on green Bay has some potential still throughout. And I understand the ultimate criticism is his shortcomings in the playoffs, but I guess we would really have to evaluate it in a few months from now, how that's going. But for now, I think you could be satisfied that at least Aaron Rodgers can maybe get some special momentum that is so monumental that he could just coast through the playoffs throughout. That's why for green Bay. And then again, my comments with, uh, with Tampa Bay defense looks pretty solid on top of Tom Brady, even with his old age, he's keeping the teams, his team in it. Isn't that um, exciting? What do you guys think about with either Dallas, sorry, Dallas with Tampa or green Bay Rogers or Brady? Um, well, you know, it's funny because like Matt alluded to, I just, um, I just, 
closed my phone and I just let the second half play out. And I, I feel like I got the last laugh, but uh, no, I mean, it was in all, in all, in all intents and purposes, it was a good game. It was, it was a classic like football lovers game where a lot of it was just momentum changing and um, a lot of, uh, a lot of defense back and forth. Um, I think that green Bay is probably, they're not what they used to be. Um, and I mean that sincerely, you know, from Aaron Rodgers' perspective, because they don't have a number one option, but they've showed us already in three weeks what they can do in terms of winning multiple ways. I think that's really the most uh, important takeaway from um, this week, week three victory against Tampa. Um, they're able to lean on that defense and um, allow, you know, this, this roster, this team to carry Aaron across the uh, finish line. So I think that was probably the biggest takeaway. Um, it was, it really wasn't, it was kind of an ugly game, but it was an exciting game. Um, he had, Rogers had seven different targets and um, in the second half, you know, he had the, the interception um, uh, and he was blank in the second half. But I think that the way that they won really showed me a lot about this team's resiliency. So um, I think two things can be true at once. I think that Aaron can definitely take a step back, which I firmly do believe that he has. And it really just boils down to what we expect from this team, because I don't expect them to be an NFC championship contending team. I expect them to be probably a wild card in a first round exit. So um, with all that said, I thought it was a great game, but uh, we just kind of have to um, uh, uh, more pointedly uh, create an accurate conversation around what we expect from Aaron. That's all. I hear that. I hear that. It's fair. And um, I guess my only response with that is just keeping the court, uh, keeping the court open with him. I do think throughout you will get a uh, quarterback who could potentially be a three time back to back to back MVP winner. And if only he could go up against some more challenging defenses like the giant defense, if we uh, want to uh, praise them, if anything, <laughs> or and or when they play some other good teams coming up, I think uh, the court will still be out with Rodgers and let's ultimately see what happens. Sure. Brian, you have anything else with this game to add? Uh, you know, I think this is a very good growing year for Green Bay. I think that this is the year for them to win the championship, but they're going to learn, like Alex said, how to win in multiple ways, leaning on the run game, leaning on the intermediate short route game of just being a game management kind of style, leaning on that defense. And when they do either draft or in free agency, get that number one receiver or two new receivers, uh, get a tight end. Um, you know, I think that a premier tight end, I think that they will be able to be complete. I think that was always the issue with the, the Packers is that they could only win one way. Yeah. And that was through the air raid. And now that we have the run game and the game management in, I think they'll do fine. And then in regards to Tampa, I really can't judge them until they're completely healthy um, and just see some consistency in the lineup. And I think ultimately, too, I think this team really succeeds um, um, if they lean on defense to really bring them home, but also to be a run first offense, which is ironic because they only combined for 67 rushing yards on the ground yesterday. Um, I mean, Sunday. So um, it's, it's kind of ironic. I feel like it was just one of those back and forth low scoring games. Um, but it definitely told me a lot about how they can win multiple ways. Absolutely. The New York jets. You know, it's funny. I think 
when you're down seven nothing, the game's already over for the Jets. Oh man, a absolutely horrendous loss to Cincinnati. Give Cincinnati the boost they need, and maybe after having a win under their belt, they can resume to uh, the prominence that people think they can. Uh, I mean, of course, even of course. Um, you know, you don't want Joe Burrow to uh, have problems being protected, but he didn't seem to be against the Jets. But I also don't think a high school team could have any pressure, especially in that defense. I mean, Robert Sala's on the hot seat. Uh, Joe Flacco seems like his best days are behind him. Uh, and, you know, it was scary for a second. Their only hope maybe some of their weapons are really excited, especially Garrett Wilson. Looks like he can be prominent receiver when he was picked over fifth overall in the draft. And it's really bad. Zach Wilson seems to be the only hope as we're recording this. They haven't announced if he's going to be playing against Pittsburgh this week, but it's likely going to be the case. But I still don't think this Zach Wilson is the answer for the Jets. I don't see this guy making a difference at all with the exception of maybe having a little more mobility than having Joe Flacco at the realm. But I mean, seriously, this is a mess. So many people were open. I mean, I think even a sloth could have made a catch in the end zone against uh, the jets. It's really, really bad. That's all I have to say. And, um, yeah, I don't think that. I think the big question with this matchup is if Zach Wilson is going to make a difference. I don't see that. I didn't think he was a good second overall pick. Too many, oh, too many throws straight to the ground, uh, making bad decisions, overthrowing players. Um, I, I don't think he's anything special. And if I still see him in this league a few years from now, let's say he's, will he still be playing in 2026, 20, 27? I don't think so. I think it's just inevitable. And this is just a failed, another failed um, Jets team, uh, uh, GM and head coach combination and Joe Douglas and Robert Sala that didn't work. And they'll just have to find another group. If, uh, if there's even any hope, the Jets suck motherfucking ass. (laughs) Yeah, I feel that. Absolutely. Um, I think this game though, still worries me with the Bengals because they are not a good football team. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensively this year, and that's shock, shocking. Uh, sucks as a fellow Staten Islander. The defensive coordinator is actually from Staten Island, um, but your defense s right now. They even they, even though you know uh, it was twelve points the Jets scored. Um, just looking, I was looking at the game, and this did this did the defense of the Bengals just looks confused a lot in my eyes. I don't know if like they if the scheme got harder this year or just the personnel just isn't clicking well but they just look a little confused a lot. And uh, yeah, so that's my worry. The offensive line, you know, did okay for the Bengals. They let only two sacks and 14 pressures on Burrow. Still sucks that he gets hit, but it is what it is. Uh, When it comes down to the Jets, though, I really hope they start Wilson. Um, And I want to see from them a um, a uh, mid-2010s Patriots-style offense in run, 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 play action, play action, play action. That's what they need to do. They have the off the running backs uh, to run the ball and they're efficient enough where they could actually by committee, I think trump the offensive line difficulties. Cause it's, you know, the run game is even with a bad offensive line, you could run the football because offensive linemen can fall forward 
and you can get a few yards from that. It is possible. Um, passing game, that's where they need to do the play action. They have a very, in my opinion, they have a top 10 receiving core in the league, the Jets. If you really look at them, you got Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and on talent, on top 10 in talent. You look at these guys, they have the talent, get them in play action, they'll be open, and let's see what Zach Wilson can do. You got how many, you know, 14 games left. Let's see what happens. Can Zach Wilson make them officially a top 10 receiving core? <laughs> I think he can at least give them the looks that um, Joe Flacco realize. can't because Joe Flacco can give them the looks if given the proper offensive line. Um, unfortunately, they don't have the proper offensive line, so they need the mobility of someone like Zach Wilson if he could stay healthy while he's mobile to extend those plays and get them open. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I want to shift the conversation a little bit to Cincinnati because um, I was definitely more encouraged than um, what you guys alluded to uh, with Cincinnati. I think they kind of started to allude back to um, 2021 playoff form. I think I saw a lot of things I really liked on the offensive side of the ball. Like you said, Brian, I think the defense has a lot to be left to be desired. They looked a little confused, although I want to do shout out um, Hendrickson for two and a half sacks. He had a monster game on the front. Yeah, great game by him. Yeah. Outside of that, though, I mean, they got a lot of problems in the secondary. Um, you know, you shouldn't be giving up that kind of ease on on defense to a backup quarterback like Flacco, whose best years are behind him. Um, I, I definitely like what I, I saw. I saw a lot of um, their, their – um, I saw a lot of their uh, former Super Bowl run in that offense. Um, I like the fact that he started, you know, spreading it around, not relying on Jamar Chase as much because he was getting blanketed all day. Um, T. Higgins really got into it, almost had 100 yards. Tyler Boyd was over 100 um, with a touchdown. So I, I do think that this team can get back to form as the season progresses. And I think this was the first game that kind of salvaged their season so far. Speaking of salvage, Oakland, sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders, Alex. No, we can skip this topic. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the team is 0-3. It's the only 0-3 team in the National Football League right now, dude. They lose to a team that Brian declared one of the worst in Tennessee. And, um, yeah, I just have to lead with that. The only only three teams right now. What's going on? Do you need somebody to talk to? <laughs> and uh, beyond yeah, I mean, that, what's, I mean, are you, I know this is still plenty of season left. Yeah. And there's been a couple, few instances of teams starting 0-3 to still make the playoffs. But um, you are in a tough division. And um, let's be real, any of those three games were winnable. Maybe you could argue against the one against the Chargers could have been 50-50, but at least the other two you could have won in Arizona and uh, Tennessee this week. But, uh, yeah, dude, how are you feeling right now after the uh, tough start? Well, you know, I, I feel I feel um, surprisingly, shockingly, actually pretty good. Um, not because it's the 0-3, not, you know, particularly because it's 0-3, but like you said, how it's how we lost. Um those were all easily winnable games that could have been closed for that team. Um, it was just a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of miscues on the defense in the Arizona game. Um, playing from behind that definitely doesn't help in the Tennessee game, and that was my biggest concern both last season and this year. But what really, really concerns me less the, um, than the win-loss column is just the play call. I mean, if you're McDaniels, how do you go to – 
Devontae Adams six times for six times in to get six touches in two games when you went after him for 17 touches in the first game of the season. And the only reason I would argue that they lost that game against the Chargers is because Carr threw three picks and two of them were totally unforced errors. So I, I still think that there's a, tr- a ton of season to play. I have questions about the Chargers because they got smacked at home by Jacksonville, which we'll talk about later. Um, and Herbert's got concerns with the cracked ribs. Um, Kansas City showed some vulnerability with, um, with that game against Indianapolis. And Broncos really have a hard time with this offense. So I feel much more comfortable saying that this this season's far from over. And I think there's a case to be made that that zero and three could either be three and oh, one and two or two and one. Um, I think it's too early to make any distinguish uh, any any um, any difference between any of those records. And I think that um, people get a little lost in the in the record column. And that's fair. But what really concerned me more was um, where, where the money's made in this league is on third down. And, and Vegas was one for 12 on third down, which is just it's it's an utter embarrassment. Um, it's it's completely unacceptable and it has to be corrected um, if they're going to if they're if McDaniels is going to survive the season. Ooh, McDaniels hot seat talks already. You can't be you can't keep playing from behind with all that talent. You can't be one right. for 12 third down when you have Devontae Waller and Renfro and Jacobs. Unacceptable. Yeah, you know, honestly, right now I do feel that this that now <laughs> all you get is one year. And if you really don't meet your expectations with so much money invested in these teams now with fans, patience, either you know, non-existent really, and especially in this, what have you done for me lately world? Um, I did actually see some people comment about um, his validity and if McDaniels ultimately can be a head coach in this league. And maybe there was a reason why he um, stayed so long as an assistant in New England, why he didn't take that Indianapolis job. Maybe he knows deep down he's not a head coach, but again, it's only week three to say that. I feel after week six, that's uh, week six, week seven, that's a fair yeah. p- time to see who's good and who's bad. Yeah, we'll, we'll know by Absolutely. then. And um, we'll see if uh, Vegas is ultimately the case. But, um, yeah, still a lot of football left. To do. Remind me, who do they play this upcoming week? Oh, boy. I got to check. Cool. Oh. So while we check that, Brian, <laughs> do you, are you uh, – are you amazed or sad like uh, Alex about the Raiders? And, uh, I just um, feel bad. Also, anything to I take with uh, Tennessee? Oh, we're um, the- I feel bad. Who? We're playing the Broncos at home, but that's, that's a winnable uh, game. Definitely a winnable game. I think you guys should win that game. Um, Broncos, are, Broncos are just literally like – I think they're one of, uh, one of the worst teams in the league. They just have a pretty <laughs> face. Um, you know – Raiders, it's the defense is just is god awful, and yeah. I'm sorry to say it. I really like Derek Carr, but like Derek Carr, stop looking like Kirk Cousins. It's time to play. Like, yep. don't look like your brother. <laughs> like, it's time to actually be a grown man. And you talked all this game. Guess what? You've been in the league long enough. If you don't like the play calling, audible. If it's one yeah. in twelve. One and twelve at third down. Guess what? You know how to read a defense by then. Call out of that fucking shit. It's time now. Be a grown man. I don't care about excuses anymore with this amount of t- talent on offense. I don't care if your defense is god awful. I've seen god awful 
defenses go to the Super Bowl with amazing offensive talent. It's it's happened. It's not that hard. Guess what? Play well. Play solid football. Make the correct reads. Throw the ball effectively. It's that simple. Don't extend plays if you can't extend them. Throw the check down. It's that simple. Josh Jacobs should be getting five catches every game. The fact that he isn't in the past game enough is, is a sin. He had five catches this game for 31. It's very good. It's very good. You know what I mean? It's, it sucks now. It's, I'm aggravated because it's like I see them as a team that could really make a mark on this league, and it just continues to be the inefficiencies of their quarterback because I don't know what it is. He's just – he has some – he has like the yips in baseball. I don't know what to call it. Yeah. It's what, yep. It is what it is. Yeah, I know. You're absolutely right. And I think you made a great point, Brian, because he used to take the matter, matters into his own hands playing under Gruden before he got canned because he understood that he had to, he had to play his ass off, um, you know, and try to take over this offense, you know, especially with the injuries and Henry Ruggs um, um, with his situation. Um, so he definitely hasn't, you know, has has a history of of calling audible on on the on the line and 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 changing the play and. It's just it's completely inexcusable at a certain point when you have all that talent that you don't convert more than two uh, two third downs. It's completely unacceptable. Absolutely, and I think I'm going to bring up this. They did bad on the Gruden. They did bad on. They're going to do bad on the McDaniel's because they're not disciplined kind of coaches that get in your face. I'm sorry, you should have signed Doug Peterson for this reason and this alone. He's an offensive version of Jack Del Rio. Jack Del Rio was your yeah. best chance at a at a coach because he would smack you in the mouth and tell you to shut up and just play football. That's what they need. Wouldn't be shocked when Ron Rivera gets, if, he, if the season goes bad for the commanders and gets fired. And if McDaniels gets fired, they pick up Ron Rivera because they need a coach like that. They need a football right in your face, smash mouth kind of guy. They're the Raiders. That's what they That's what their brand is. And they don't have that brand, that brand. They have a mouse at uh, head coach right now. Who's a little quiet behind his behind his game plan like this, whispering into the mic? It's pathetic. And with Tennessee, very simple. They only go as far as how good Ryan Tannehill is, in my opinion. It's no longer a Derrick Henry thing. The NFL has figured out how to stop him. They're going to go as far as the quarterback. Yeah. You know, the Miami Dolphins beat the Buffalo Bills nineteen to twenty-one. Obviously, the infamous punt, uh, butt punt takes place to cause a safety, but Miami winds up staying alive, and it's just a funny blooper ultimately. Now, Buffalo dominated throughout. I mean, especially offensively. You had Josh Allen do another feather. 400 total yards. 400 yards, everybody. 400 passing yards and 47 rushing yards. And yet Miami just scored when they needed to. It shows how good their defense really is. You know, I guess the other thing that has to be mentioned is that Buffalo, especially on the secondary, is missing a lot of players. But yet Tua um, in his back injury, not his head injury, um, was able to keep the team afloat, and that's another win. Mike McDaniel starting 3-0 and in his coaching career, beating Belichick, beating Harbaugh, now beating Sean McDermott. How about this, guys? Buffalo, the uh, dreams of a perfect season's done, but um, I think there's nothing to worry about, clearly. 
Yeah, so, you know, I don't think there's anything to worry except the injuries on the defense. you got to remember, they've played three games and they don't even have Tredavious White back from injury at their best corner, so top five corner in the league. So we'll see what happens with them. I think, you know, they're going to be in this for the long haul and win the division. So I think it's just, you know, some growing pains. It happens, you know what I mean? But I also think Miami is one of the better teams in the league. I think they're the most versatile. So I called Buffalo the best overall team in the league. I'll call Miami the most versatile in the league in regards to skill sets, just because of how many different ways they can score. Um, but Buffalo, Buffalo is a little limited in the run game at times. Um, in my eyes, um, the Dolphins running attack with Edmonds and Mostert, even though they don't get a lot of yards, their just efficiency as dual backs, um, as dual threats are really good. Um, and they force, uh, you know, the need for another, uh, another guy in the box or to take out a linebacker and put in another cornerback to cover them when they go out into a slot. So I appreciate that. Um, and with regards to Tua, um, I think it's a crime that he didn't get put out for the rest of this game because that man was definitely concussed. If anyone's ever played football before, that was not a back injury because if it was, he wouldn't have been able to stand. Um, so let's call it the way it is. Um, but, do you, but, but does that make Mike McDaniel a liar then? Because he said he was it was a back injury in the medical staff. You know, I think it's a big, vague thing with health uh, health and football. Um, I don't really believe anything that anyone says about injuries because at the end of the day, a player could be lying and saying he's fine and he's not. Like, let's call it the way it is. Like, Jameis Winston shouldn't be playing right now because he's losing games because he can't literally stand up straight. Like, it obviously – you know, there's a lot of things and issues regards to who listens to who in the NFL within the jury. So I hope that changes because, you know, Tua easily, if he got hit again in the head, it could have been done from multiple games. And I didn't see the risk against a team that you should lose to in regards to Buffalo to keep him in there. So that's my comment on this game. Uh, best receiving duo in the league with uh, Waddle and Tyree Kill. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, to his health will definitely be a concern moving forward. And I think you're right, Brian. I think there's a lot of covert ops going on with the league and the, and these, these you know, these franchises, how they want to preserve their guys and not let the other team's upcoming scheme and game plan for who's healthy and who's not. So I think a lot of it, a lot of that is PR and, and I hope that Tua sincerely is ready for the rest of the season. Um, but I'm look, I, it's crazy guys, because I got to this game late in the day and I, I'm looking at the stats and it's like literally Buffalo has them doubled on paper in every positive statistical category. Yeah. Totally, totally yards, 495 to 212 passing yards, 380 to 171 rushing yards. They almost tripled them, doubled them in first downs, Doubled them in for third down efficiency, time possession. They doubled them up like it's insane. And when you look at this team, it's like, yeah, they have holes in the secondary, but there it was almost virtually inexcusable to lose this game considering the amount of touches uh, Miami got. So I think the outcome of this game, we can parse it down to the receiver not getting out of bounds and not being able to uh, get a second, um, get a second playoff before uh, before the field goal. But I don't think that Buffalo should have even been in that circumstance in the first place. And I wonder how um, this head-to-head matchup will play going down to the end of the season um, in parsing out the the rank order of the division winners. Because I I, I got to admit to you guys, I underestimated my underestimated Miami and. If they can hang in here for the rest of the season um, with Buffalo, because Buffalo's got a tough, a couple tough games on their schedule, 
um, you know, who knows? This may come back to bite them. So we'll see. Got to win those divisional games. And yeah, I mean, when you have so much yardage like the Buffalo team did, what are wrong? But they just, you know, it was just a matter of getting into the red zone for field goals. Was enough. They, despite that, their, their offense was healthy, and Miami could say they only allowed that offense to have to give up 19 points. It's just a, a weird football. It's just football's weird sometimes like that. So four fumbles, four fumbles by by Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. Was total, 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 uh, total toxic survey, if you will. Yeah, it's a fl- it's a fluke game. It happens for sure, for sure. So. The Eagles, now they're making their case as a top team in the NFC. Jalen Hurts with three touchdowns again, staying afloat in the ground game, still passing it well. And Devontae Smith finally has a big breakout game that they were hoping for with him. Miles Saunders looks like he's a solid back in this league. And then the commanders look just absolutely lifeless at home, especially Carson Wentz. Eagles. How about them Eagles? You know, I'm pissed. I hate the Eagles, but um, can't deny that they are pretty, pretty, pretty stellar at this moment. It's the best team in football, without a doubt. Uh, Jalen Hurts is playing like an MVP candidate. You know, they got three. They got three, I would say, starting caliber running backs on that team with Sanders. If you count Jalen Hurts as a as a as a running back at mm-hmm. times and Kenneth Gainwell. Um, you know, they had 30 carries for 72 yards, um, but it's more of, you know, they, it just depends on the offensive scheme and what the defense gives them any game. They could go off for 150 and, you know, Devontae Smith exploded onto the scene that receiving at eight receptions, 169, a touchdown and a defense is stellar. They destroyed Washington who was putting up good points the first two games. So, you know, kudos to the Eagles defense and Washington, you know, they're going to be a middle of the pack team the year between I think six and eight wins. So, you know, Terry McLaurin had a good game and Curtis Samuel, but besides that, they didn't look really good. So, you know, on to the next. Right. Absolutely, dude. And the commanders and I mean, looked really bad. They almost got shut out at one point, but um, a lot of teams look bad. A lot of teams will look bad against this Eagles team. Like I expect the Giants and Cowboys to get 30 pieced by this Eagles team. It's just like, in the, you know, especially in Dallas, it's a great defense. I expect them to get put 30 on them. It's just this team's high octane offense and stellar defense. It shows what Nick Sirianni has cooking for him. Very, yeah. very well to coach team. You know, the only thing I want to emphasize what Brian said is um, I thought that it was exceptional how clean uh, game Philadelphia played. They didn't have a single fumble, no picks. Um, they only had three sacks allowed, which, you know, is something but of concern, you know, regarding the health of Hurts and, and preserving that O-line. But, you know, you have to consider who Washington has lined on the front four, too. Um, I think, um, yeah, Devontae Smith was due for a giant game. He he was unstoppable all day, and um, at the end, you know, you know, at the end of the day, I think this is the better three O team of them in Miami, and I think that um, they look as good as you know we predicted. So, I'll say one thing: the Eagles had nine sacks in the game. Nine sacks. Like I'm looking up right now, how many sacks is most single game in a season? A most single game for a team because nine sacks is ridiculous. <laughs> that is crazy. 
It's a Madden uh, numbers, right? Eagles, there. Eagles in 1952 had 14, okay? And they had nine against, you know, an okay offensive line. Like, this team is legit. Yeah. It just shows you that they're so dominant on all three phases of the ball. And it's talking about dominance on his walk year. Lamar Jackson is absolutely killing it. Killing it in the ground. Killing it in the passing game. Ravens route the Patriots. Patriots look really bad. Jones sprains his ankle. So he's probably out for multiple weeks. Brian Hoyer's coming in. And the Patriots and and Bill Belichick need to figure out how they can stay relevant in their division, especially at the rise of the Bills and Dolphins. But it seems that, you know, it's their time to finally be in the backseat after dominating for almost two decades in the AFC East, winning six Super Bowls since 2000. Or, and yeah, guys, I mean, I don't know what's more interesting is how good the Ravens are after a heartbreaking loss. Again, <clears throat> I don't know how good the Ravens are after a heartbreaking loss to Miami or is this game more about how the Patriots might not be a good team once and for all? And especially when you play Brian Hoyer, who's been there forever. I mean, what hope do you have? Jacoby Myers is hurt. Damian Harris is okay. I think the Patriots um, are in some real trouble. You guys agree or disagree? They're one of the worst teams in football. <clears throat> One of the worst teams in football, and that's, I can't believe I would ever say that. They're just an old, old defense. They got rid of all their offensive linemen in trades in the last three years, four years, starting with uh, uh, Sudfeld, not Sudfeld, uh, Nate Solder when he went to the Giants and has continued with Shaq Mason this offseason. Um, you know, Devontae Parker had a, a you know, turn back the clock game with five catches for 156 yards. Good for him, but like, Mac Jones is cheeks. Let's call it the way it is. He's ass. And the Russian game is the only thing that's exciting with this team. They're a terrible football team. I honestly think the Jets will beat them twice. Not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. The Jets might beat them twice, especially if uh, I didn't look at the schedule, but if uh, they play without, you know, Jones might have surgery and might be out the entire season, they said, because of how bad his sprained ankle is. I never heard of that. But if that's the case, terrible tank. Tank for Bryce Young. Um, and with Baltimore, Lamar is the, is the MVP right now. Absolutely. The man's going to have a thousand yards rushing and he might even have 4,000 yards passing this year. Not even kidding. Um, Dobbins looks rusty as, as he's supposed to be. I can see life with him though. And Mark Andrews is the best overall tight end in the league. Absolutely. If you count passing, blocking and strength, he's better than Kelsey. He's better than Kittle. He's better than Hawkinson. Pitts. He's the best player I've ever seen at the tight end position since Tony Gonzalez and Gronk. Or Megatron, too. Yeah, Megatron's a receiver. I don't count him. Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's nothing to to disagree with there, Brian. Um, You know, the stat line is ridiculous for Lamar. I think he's on pace for another MVP run as well. Um, you know, all things considered, knock on wood for health. Um, I mean, you know, Dobbins and, and 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 Hill and Duvernay, for that, for that matter, I think they'll start getting their stride as the season progresses. I think that this offense is a little bit recalibrated, um, but they still look exceptional. And I agree that Mark Andrews really is, um, you know, he, he is probably the best tight end in football. And um, 
the fact that if they can get their secondary back into um, form or form, um, they really will be, um, you know, uh, a team to be reckoned with further in the playoffs than I expected initially because I had kind of had them at like, you know, a bottom middle wild card team. But if they can get that secondary shirt up and, you know, put Lamar at shorter fields and not going 90, 100 yards uh, to the end zone, I think that they can make his life a lot easier. Um, it was uh, it, it was only close because um, it was a quick scoring game, but they really blew the doors off New England. And I think um, towards the end of the season, if, you know, if they're looking at a five, six win team, you got to wonder what Belichick does with this roster and whether he steps away or not, because I think this has to be really a humbling moment to have the ego and in coming into the season to think that you have all the answers in your regime. You don't have to look outward um, to outsourcing some of this talent and some of this roster acquisition. I think it's really telling of where the game is, where the times of New England football is and where they want to go because similar to the jet situation, you really can't compete in this division without a high flying, high powered offense. And bill doesn't have that at his core. He doesn't have it in his, in his coaching staff. And he certainly doesn't have it in his quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from the end of the season here. What do you have when you have two failed coaches in Matt Patricia and Joe judge leading your offense? Personally, I think Joe, um, personally, I think bill Belichick, He's going to be coaching it until he's 10 years past his death. I, th- yeah. I see him. I see him maybe trying with one more regime, seeing with the draft. If Mac Jones really isn't what they expect that he can rebuild one more time and then call it quits. But um, he still seems to have that energy there. But, but the thing, too, you got to understand, Matt, is that he's actually co-opting as the general manager. So it's oh, like yeah, how, yeah, of course. How many decisions are coming to his desk that he's passing yes or no on? And to be honest, at 70 years old, it's kind of a similar situation with Pete Carroll. It's like how much how much how much um, time is really on the leash there? Fair points for sure. I just I've, think that he is going to still experiment and still give a go for while he still can. He seems too stubborn to end on a low note that's on a personality standpoint you were saying brian i'll make one take on this as i was really thinking about this after watching this game were these defenses really that good in the page in the patriots patriots dynasty or was it that they really knew how to play a hero ball with a lead from tom brady and and co and knew how to you know um, excel at making picking up the mistakes of offensives that were behind on a lead. Because I re- looking through time, you don't see perennial Pro Bowlers really in the Patriots defense. You've never, you know, they've their big cornerbacks have, you know, J.C. Jackson, Darrell Revis, Sante Samuel, and, uh, you know, in pe- years past where you know draft drafted or left or free quick free agent acquisitions, you know. Were they always, were they really that good or was it they knew how to play within the confines of having a lead? And that's what I'm noticing more and more as their offenses, offenses considerably decreased since Brady's gone. And even in his last years, the defense got worse. So I think it was more of an, he was, it was an opportunistic scheme than it was actually the, you know, the, the mental juggernaut and greatness of Bill Belichick on defense. Some franchises do know how to win too, but if you look at, let's say the Super Bowl specifically, obviously they should have lost against Atlanta. Um, they let Russell Wilson go down the field in the final drive. 
only to literally hand them a Super Bowl win with a uh, brain fart and the interception by Malcolm Butler. I mean, it is a fair argument you can you can make with the exception of, um, you know, really dominating against the Rams when they played their last Super Bowl. But I think that's a, a fair debate to to uh, ponder. But ultimately, some franchises, again, just know how to win, know how to have calls go their way, especially in some AFC championship games the Patriot dynasty had. I think that's a, that really is something to really research and um, soak in. But I do see both sides, and you make a good point with it. So, and also I have one thing to say, one Patriots-wise. Now, reckon I'm mostly in New Jersey now. Spent also time where I grew up in uh, Southeast Connecticut. Sorry, Southwest Connecticut. Where all the Patriot fans go? I mean, <laughs> seriously, yeah. over the past two decades growing up when I started liking football, no matter even when I grew up in both a New England, New York Metro environment, there was Patriot fans all over. I went to school with so many Patriot fans from all different places, parts of the country, and now they are as silent as ever. What happens when you fight a little diversity? You just disappear. I mean, seriously, the Patriot quiet, fan quiet the is mouse. gone. What? Quieter than a church mouse. I knew this day was going to come, especially when Tom Brady left. What kind of allegiance did you have um, once Tom Brady left? It just showed people were more Tom Brady fans than New England Patriots. I mean, people really made the case. That, I mean, they are not a national team. They don't have the presence like Green Bay or Dallas across the country. They just love Tom Brady. And then when Tom Brady goes, who the hell is a Bucks fan except the people in Florida over there? I, I mean, come on. The Patriot fan is as fake and as fair weather, loserish and as like you said, fair weather as it gets with this franchise. And, um, no wonder why they're missing with some diverse with some obstacles ahead. What Sound a joke. Button. What a joke. And you know who's also a joke? <laughs> the Cleveland Browns falling to the Steelers. Cleveland Browns, um listen, the Steelers are lucky to play the Jets. Despite being well coached, they miss D TJ Watt and they somehow fall to the Cleveland Browns. So I, I, I'm sorry, I messed up what I was saying. It was a joke that they lost to the Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh. And um, again, d- despite being well coached, they really miss Michael Fitzpatrick now, especially. Obviously, as I said, no TJ Watt. And um, again, at this point, every week it's going to be when are you going to put Kenny Pickett? I don't think they're going to put him this week against the Jets. Um, just from the reports that I'm getting at from um, their beat and stuff. But I feel like it would make sense to play a very weak defense, put the kid in, but, um, you know, it could just be a result of what one thing that I've really learned is how much you really want to play a, a player. You're putting a lot of um, into their salary, you know, they want to play players who are getting paid with the exception of Brian Dayball, clearly. But um, yeah. I think the Steelers both have time on their hands and and they also um, can experiment a little. 
I mean, you're Mike Tomlin, you're going to the Hall of Fame, you've been coaching forever. But um, and uh, now that you might not see any promise with Mitch Trubisky, uh, what else can you do to uh, excite your fan base and what could be a down year for them? You know, I watched this game and I, a, I don't think it's a joke that they lost because I think the Cleveland Browns are going to make the playoffs this year and they're by um, without Deshaun Watson just because of the sheer talent they have on offense. Um, Jacoby Brissett is going to earn himself a starting job somewhere in the league for at least another year after this season, the way he's playing. Very efficient. Um, I think he's sixth or seventh in the league in quarterback rating right now. The, re- the rushing game is amazing, and the receiving core is, is phenomenal. It's another reason why this game is another prove-it game to – from Amari Cooper to fuck Dallas because they they got rid of him for a fifth round pick. Shame on Jerry Jones. I hope he never sleeps when he's six feet under. God oh damn goodness. it. Oh, <laughs> so frustrating. I have a number two receiver who dropped the ball against the Giants. Terrible. Um, besides that, um, Steelers, you know, I really heard I heard heard a rumor um on ESPN. I looked deeper into it. They hate the offensive corner uh, coordinator, Matt Canada. Um, and this, it makes sense. You know, this offense is very lackluster. And I kept on thinking, is it the play calling or Trubisky? Um, I think it really is like 65-35 play calling Trubisky. I think Trubisky's limited in skill, but I really don't like the play calling that they do. I don't think it fits the players they have around. Um, I don't, I just don't see it. I don't see it. Um, with this, I just don't, I really like, in my eyes, this offense is not being run the way, uh, I think other OCs would do it. I think there needs to be a lot more play action involved and a lot more heavy emphasis on the run. And cause they have the talented receivers to get open on play action. You know, they got Claypool and Pickens and Johnson are fast. They can, should be doing, you know, you know, outside run plays and you know some rpo like the giants did rpo with daniel jones last time last night like five times i was like holy shit i'm watching high school football but it works with barkley and jones there's no reason why you can't do that with Najee harris and trubisky like Trubisky's actually a fast runner like he's pretty good it's possible so you know i think play calling is going to be their downfall this year because to me i don't think they're ever going to start the rookie because i think tomlin's stubborn that he could win with anyone Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the you know, and and I know that Tomlin's not the ultimate play caller because he's a defensive minded coach. But you gotta wonder how much responsibility is bearing on the offensive coordinator. Um, because I think that the past two years, what we saw from um, Big Ben, you know, I, I thought that a lot of the conservative play calling and not being able to play from behind and all these checkdowns was just a byproduct of what. Big Ben's limitations were, but it looks like it's more than that. And I think it may have to do more with the the regime they have there on the offensive side of the ball. But I mean, you guys um, really talked about it, you know, at length, but Brissett is really a consummate professional. I know that he really impressed me the first half of the season when he was playing at Indianapolis. And I know that he'll be able to continue to get um, solid backup roles where he can thrive and be successful. And furthermore, have more starting gigs in the league because there's always room for um, guys who can play at a high level and be counted on um, in this league. I thought that the run game really took this game over. Chubb really dominated at five five a carry for one thirteen for the night, um, and Kareem Hunt was right 
right behind him at 50 yards. Um, you know, I, I thought this was really just a game. Um, uh, it was really a tip of the cap to uh, Stefanski because it shows that what he has between his ears is really, really special. And I think that he can win with a lesser roster far more than I even expected going into the season. So I have to give him a lot of credit for the play call and being able to stay um, calm under duress with all the uh, issues going on in the offseason. Um, and I, the only thing I will ask is, because um, I know Matt is a huge OBJ fan, but um, the George Pickens catch, is that a catch of the year or? What are we That's doing? better than the Odell catch. Mm-hmm. I think so. No, my su- my support for Odell has dwindled throughout the years, but um, yeah, I, I think it, it definitely is up there. For, it's definitely the best catch in the first three weeks. Oh, yeah. And we could uh, appreciate that kind of athleticism, of course. You know, Justin Fields goes eight for 17, only throws 106 yards, throws a couple of picks. And, well, it's all on their running game that the Bears somehow defeat Houston. And then um, David Mills almost making a push, but ultimately throws a pick himself, which leads to a game-winning field goal for the Bears. Man, Justin Fields not getting any love. Seems like a, another Ohio State quarterback not making it in the NFL. What do we think about this? He's so bad. He just gets me mad. Like, I'm sorry that it rhymed, but like, fuck this man. guy, man. Get him off the field. Like, like I want Nick. I want them to trade back for Nick Foles and start him because it's just so frustrating. You have such talent at the receiving core with Komet. Mooney, St. Brown, Pringle is a good deep threat, and you can't do anything. It's actually so frustrating. Like, and this run game is amazing. This is a great this this team could be very good in the skill position if they had a competent quarterback. Now, this is a team like we just talked about Jacoby Brissett. That if Jacoby Brissett went to the Bears and they did a little O line upgrade and they got up and they could drafted a quarterback. They would be looking at 500 at that next next year in that season. It's just such a shame to watch. Like this is just loss of talent. Like this is demoralized. I feel bad for Donnell Mooney. It's just like I would quit. I would quit. I would I would retire and then try to go somewhere else in, in a year or two, or like sell my own rights at that at that point and try to get out of the contract. This is terrible. And the Texans, they're the best 0 and 2 and 1 team I've seen in a while. They have Moxie. They put up fight. The running back room is really solid. David Mills, average quarterback to bottom and to bottom average. You know, we'll see what happens with him. You know, it's a shame that they lost. I really think they should have won this game. But yeah, uh, Chicago's a dumpster fire right now. Well, the before, worst two and one team I've ever seen. Well, before I put all the the weight on Justin Fields because he's definitely has not impressed and has definitely not broken the stereotype of Ohio State quarterbacks to stink it up in the league, but I think a lot of this is very much fundamentally like an infrastructure problem. I think the Chicago's never gotten um, the offensive talent right, um, whether it's skill position guys. They never know when to sign guys. They let them walk out the door. Um, they don't. Re- they don't make deals. They don't have a, a sustainable, you know, ground game in, in the past. I think that that's probably the only way moving forward to keep these games competitive. Because as we saw, um, as we saw the other day, you know. 
Herbert just, uh, just freaking ran at them off the field. He pretty much dominated the game and controlled the clock for them. But it just seems like they only have one way to win, and you got to wonder how how long uh, before they tear uh, they tear everything down and start over again. Because I'm not a big proponent of regime changes um, in such rapid time, but you know what you're seeing when you see it. And this team is a dysfunctional team. It's a dysfunctional organization, and they probably need to clean house sooner than later. I think they're very much a disappointing uh, uh, roster overall. But with Houston, I think there's a lot of um, upside. We knew that going into the season that we're going to be playing with house money, seeing what Davis Mills can give you um, before cutting bait and just kind of putting a little bit of faith uh, back in a Lovey Smith just to have – um, have some fun in you know the quarterback's room and and see who to keep on that roster. But they put up a good fight. It was definitely more impressive than the Bears win, I think, honestly. And I think they could have won that game down the stretch of the game um, considering the interception. I'll make this one comment, and then I'm done with the Bears for at least until next week. They have Trevor Simeon on their roster right now. And if you remember Trevor Simeon on the Saints last year when after uh, Winston got hurt, he played very well. He's a serviceable backup. He puts up decent stats. There is no reason. You know now after at least a season in three games what you have with Fields, there's no reason why not just putting him in because you now need to see your talent at your receiving core at this point because, yeah, they're two and one. Well, you're not going anywhere with this team. You need to see talent, and I need a competent quarterback who can at least throw the deep ball to actually evaluate it. Let me ask you a quick, Brian, though, because if this team really starts to implode halfway through the season and they look like a tanking team, which we all think they kind of uh, would be, um, as you know, the GM theoretically in that in in the Bears' office, would you start rebuilding that offensive line first, or would you just tear it all down to the ground? I think you could eat like you're going to have the cap space with the offensive line, uh, but just because you have no real big free agents really, and you're obviously going to let Roquan walk. Um, I think what they should do first right now is trade Roquan, Roquan Smith for a second round pick I, or, or, you know, or a few mid rounders. You need to get as many as you can right now because you know, the defense is not good enough that, you know, if you take Roquan away, it's still bad. Unfortunately, that's just the name of the game. A middle linebacker isn't really a premier position to make or break. You know, they, you know, they, a middle linebacker will make a good defense a great defense. It will not make a bad defense a great defense. It's just the way that the game is. A a true cornerback could, like a Pat Sertain or something like that. Um, But yeah, I feel like the next offseason, just build the offensive line and draft a quarterback and find yourself a, a bridge quarterback. You need a bridge quarterback to take the hits and let the rookie learn. Chiefs upset the Colts. Sorry, Chiefs get upset by the Colts. <clears throat> Who knows? Maybe the Colts aren't out of their route. Even though Matt Ryan played only okay, it was uh, the Chiefs, I think, the ones who really underachieved, especially Kelsey not being his dominant self for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, it was a tough one for them. Did anyone pick them as the upset and upset Wimpers and fillers? I don't think so. I did. You did. You did. I, so, Alex, you got it right. What made it uh, all possible in your eyes? 
Well, it's funny. I think the Colts kind of fell according to plan um, for me, at least. Uh, we all know how the first third of the season goes with, um, you know, new regime change and new quarterbacks. It's going to always be a rocky start. But I actually had the Colts winning in week three against the Chiefs for the simple fact that I knew that the first two weeks were going to be a tough integration. And I knew that um, the Chiefs were going to have an over evaluated sense of confidence going into this, um, going into this road game. I think what really, um, you know, Matt Ryan didn't play a perfect game. He looked, um, he looked like his older form back in Atlanta before the MVP season. I thought that he really played um, uh, a pretty solid game. Um, I think what the, the two, the two, plays that really changed this game because it was very volatile. It was very back, back and forth. A lot of um, change um, between these two teams in terms of the ball control. But I think obviously the kickoff giving um, um, the kickoff punt that was muffed um, was definitely a huge one because it gave Indianapolis seven points right off the board. But I think in the second quarter, if you look at that fumble recovery as well, um, and the penalty against K- uh, Kansas City to, that extended that final drive, that was what allowed um, Matt Ryan to uh, close that game out. But I was very, very, um, I was very encouraged to see that they won that game to kind of save their season, so to speak. And I think that the best games and um, days are to come with this team because I still have confidence they can win the division. Um, and I was very impressed to see that he could spread the ball around and win through the air because that was more of our concern with having a second and third option uh, at receiver for this team. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. Uh, Colts, you know, they're going to be like iffy this year. I just feel like they're going to be like middle of the pack and make catch lightning at the end of the year. Um, I think the big tell for the Chiefs is that Pat Mahomes had the most rushing yards with 26. You got to like, they need the run game more than ever now just because they don't have Tyreek Hill. They don't have the, like, they need like, this team needs to be able to extend drives instead of score quick. That's what they need to do now, the Chiefs. They got to change. They need them. They need the Alex Smith. They need the Alex Smith offense back to game manage. Even though Mahomes can play lights out, it's just like you need to get good at that. Like Aaron Rodgers is getting good at that right now. So when they do get that number one receiver eventually again, they will be ready to be complete. It will just add another way for them to win. And that's what I want to see the Chiefs work on this season. My concern with um, Andy Reid, you know, running this team and being as risky as it is, it feels – like absent of Ty, um, Tyreek and, you know, like you said, more to the Alex Smith days, it feels like this team is more icing than cake. And I felt like with Alex Smith's team, it felt more cake than icing. It felt like there was more structure. It felt like they kind of really were evenly spread across three phases of the ball. And what yeah, about no, some of the criticisms for Bien? I mean, how he's ran the offense lately and especially some of the, um, play calling towards the end, you know, more running the ball instead of letting Mahomes try to throw it down the field. We she's had success. Do we think that is a factor at all, or it was maybe just another fluke game, like the Bills and Miami was? Game was. That's tough. I just, I just don't think they just they don't know their identity on offense right now. Yeah, Juju is not Tyreek. <laughs> yeah, like they just don't they don't know they don't they don't know who they are yet. They I still think there's questions. I think they really relied on McCole Hardman being a Tyreek Hill Jr. and he's proving not to be that. And now they have I would say 
you know, like Sammy Watkins type of players. You know, they have a bun- they have a receiving core of number two receivers. They don't and, have the big number one. And Kelsey only went for fifty eight yards the other day too. Um, and, a t- and a touchdown, and that's a good game for a tight end. I think that's what we have to realize. Like that's a that's a good game for a tight end. So I like, need great yeah. ones from him, from the Hall of Fame talent. I can happen every game. I had Kansas City around five hundred through week six, so I kind of you know fully prognosticated that they were going to have some issues with the new personnel on that offensive side of the ball. And you know, to Bienemy's credit to his defense, I would say that it's a lot more hard. It's a lot more difficult. Um, you know, calling an offensive game uh, game plan when you have a guy who can extend so many plays like Mahomes because he really plays on the edge sometimes and he can be, you know, scrambly and elusive. And I think that's the same problem that Russell Wilson ran into in Seattle as well. I think their best offense is going to be if Jarek McKinnon and Edwards Hilaire are on the field at the same time. One or the other has to be at the slot. They, they, they have the best hands on the team besides Kelsey. And that's been it's been proven, and we they just need to keep on doing that. They need to run like some sweep actions or some kind of um, shifts on the line where they can get some 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 action in the run game because you can't have it. You can't have um, an offense this divided. Absolutely. The Vikings win despite a gopher game from Justin Jeff Justin Jefferson again. But Cousin uses other weapons like Osborne and Thiessen and a good running game. Calvin Dalvin Cook gets hurt, but he looks like day-to-day and he should be playing again on Sunday. The Lions have a heart, still continuing some offensive dominance, but they still need to now learn how to close games. And um, they're easy to root for despite a tough loss for them. What did we get out of Minnesota versus Detroit? Minnesota could win in different ways. They don't have to just play with Justin Jefferson, Delvin Cook. You know, the injury is we'll see what happens with that. They have a very good backup. But I like like this is a very good moral win for the Vikings. A, they could come back because they were down at, at, at some points. But also, they could play. The other receivers could step up, and that's huge. That's a big ego, not ego boost, a morale boost for those receivers that don't get the love that they might deserve just because of how much yardage and demand that Jefferson needs. So, you know what? Good for them. I'm, I'm happy for them. Adam Thielen, you know, class act, always playing well. Good for him. Um, defense played decent. You know, Detroit's a very good scoring uh, uh, offense, and I love Detroit. I keep on saying this. Like, I think they're my second favorite team now. Um, Jared Goff plays well and is going to continue to play well. Uh, Jamal Williams had a great game with uh, Swift uh, not getting the carries, and I think he got hurt at, at one point, if I don't remember. But the receiving core is top-notch right now with Josh Reynolds, DJ Chark, and Amon Ross St. Brown. This team has the capabilities of going to the playoff and being a wild-card team. They just need to learn how to you know, finish off those games. But you know what? Kudos to Dan Campbell. He played. He had a hell of a coaching game. We just got. You know, it happens. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think that this team is really starting to extrapolate the, their their capabilities, both on offense uh, and defense, for Minnesota. Um, you know, hats off to to Detroit because I think they're a lot better than people give them credit for. Especially like the average fan. For us, we kind of understand inside the numbers a little more, to um, so to speak. But I think. There was a lot of uh, positive things to take away with this uh, this Minnesota team, especially with Cook going down um, halfway through the game, um, especially when you consider that they lost on time of possession and um, 
and they re- they really didn't play an effective rush uh, run game or passing game comparatively. Uh, Detroit out, you know, they outpaced them in total yards, passing yards, um, and on the ground as well. So I think all those things considered, the fact that Kirk Cousins did play a clean game, they only had 15 penalty yards, he didn't throw a pick. Um, I think those are really uh, important things to you know keep moving forward with um, in terms of discipline and how they operate this offense. The 49ers and Broncos was so boring. Once again, I see Denver winning a game, but doesn't get a lot of love for it, especially Russell Wilson. You know, a lot of people, the big thing was how did the punter get so much action despite the uh, guy who's getting paid, what, $225 million? Jimmy G walks into getting a safety, and it was slow for San Francisco, especially if you lose by one point and you have a safety in the game. Well, uh, pretty ugly stuff, but uh, I still think San Francisco has some promise, at, but it was a, just an absolute mess for them. I'm not even going to comment on this game, except that Denver doesn't know who the hell they are. Coach is incompetent, and San Francisco, they're just, you know, they're gonna have to, it's going to take a few games to get Jimmy G rolling again in the offense just because of the lack of preseason reps and camp reps. So, uh Fluke game, it happens, you know, it is what it is, but uh, Denver's in trouble. Do you think they are up for worst two and one team as well? Yeah, I'd put them up there. Yeah, I'm not definitely not encouraged by my preseason pick uh, with Denver. Um, I, I think I still have faith that this is going to um, fix itself over time and just in terms of the offense. Um, you know, really clicking on, on multiple levels. I think that you're going to see a lot more um, conservative football in the center of the field, uh, a lot more in the ground game, a lot more third and outs, not a lot of risky football because they don't really trust their defense as much as I expected either. Um, San Fran, I think it's more of a byproduct of not having enough offseason time with Jimmy G. Uh, I think that'll definitely fix itself as well. Um, I would be concerned about Debo with the injury. I think that he really is the linchpin to that entire offense and keeping him healthy and preserving him is going to be a huge question moving forward. But I'm definitely very concerned with the Broncos. Um, I don't really like what I'm seeing at all. And um, especially because I had, you know, maybe unrealistically high hopes for this team. I had them winning division and possibly being a second or third seed in the AFC. Um, and I think it's because I put a lot of stock in Russell Wilson being able to work with ad- adaptable situations. And I knew that he had some, you know, really, really nice pieces, you know, to work with going into the season. Um, I really love Cortland Sutton. I love Mel- Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams. Um, I-, I think that these things can, can definitely work themselves out over the course of the season. But this, this game was a, was a turd. It was a stinker. It's 21 in QBR. Crazy, two hundred thirty-six millions worth. <laughs> Somebody, you know, there's a team that looks like they're in a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble, especially now with the injuries that take place with the Los Angeles Chargers. Losing Joey Bosa is gonna kill him, and then they that defense lets thirty-eight points on the given up against them. Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville destroys LA in front of their hometown fan base. And again, the injuries are looking like a big concern, but Trevor Lawrence 
arguably his best game so far in the NFL. Looks like he was dominating like how he used to dominate ACC teams when he was at Clemson. Uh, but clearly shows that uh, Jet that um, James Robinson is the number one um, is the number one when it comes to being a running back for their offense. Etney looks like he's a failed. Well, I mean it's weird because he's still he's he's very young and barely played. But um, looks like now that Robinson is the guy, and you still that knee still gets a solid um, forty five yards on thirteen carries. But regardless, they have a great run game, which is something that nobody expected coming. At least no one that I saw. And then you know with the guys they have with Kirk and Jones on the receiving core, Jacksonville is making a lot of people happy right now. And um, again, maybe there's some concerns with the Chargers with their injury problems, and then uh, Justin Herbert saying he just didn't want to quit on the team. Maybe it's time to uh, take it easy before it's too late. And if uh, he has to spend a few weeks on the in- injury report, then uh, maybe he could go back and full full throttle, especially with the struggles the AFC West is having right now. So a lot to take in with this game. Do you guys agree? Yeah, you know, Jacksonville's playing lights out. Oh, good for them. They're ahead of schedule. Um, I want to see more from them. I also think that the Chargers are now after three games are very overrated. The offense is mm. good, but at the same time, they just don't have the click that they used to. Um, like yet again, why is Austin Eckler only have four carries? And this is the problem. Um, this guy needs to get the carries. I don't care what he said in the off season that he wants his uh, role reduced. Guess what? We pay you, you play. That's that. That's called the job. If you don't like it, you can quit. It's that simple. Uh, they miss Keenan Allen, but I think it comes down to the fact that Justin Herbert needs an offensive minded head coach because the, it's just, the offense looks very predictable and lackluster. And it's, it's, it's very unfortunate for him. I'm seeing Drew Brees chargers right now. <laughs> oh no especially with the yeah. injuries now especially with the injuries yeah i think i think carol lawrence is definitely way ahead of schedule and so is this team um i don't want to you know be hyperbolic and and put him in you know in a double digit win column this year but i think that they they are showing a lot um a lot of progress in the right direction on both sides of the ball and i and i really like what doug peterson's already done in three weeks time getting this team ready uh for the season um I think that, you know, in terms of the Chargers, I think they have to, they really have to switch things around um, on its head on offense and be more of a run first team just in the short term while um, Herbert starts, you know, nursing that, that, that rib cage and, and, and that's, you know, that abdomen section. I think that, you know, he's, he's the franchise guy, he's the moneymaker. And while Keenan Allen's out, I think it's time to, you know, pivot towards, you know, Eckler and, and, you know, you see what this offense is made of, especially while the rest of the division is kind of, you know, in disarray right now. Um, but I, I'm, I'm really impressed with Jacksonville. I know our friends across the pond are uh, pretty hyped about it because when they come to town, they're actually going to be a team worth watching. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I think that, um, you know, we, we kind of we kind of bash uh, Christian Kirk for the money that he made, but I definitely like what I saw from Zay Jones. I think he's more of the number one, um, you know, maybe moving forward. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll see. I, I love what James Robinson represents in their ground game. And um, this team is going to be exciting, far more exciting than I really gave it credit for. 
Well, Atlanta finally wins. Did Cordell Patterson have a one-game wonder? Or um, do you think he has more of these games in him? Seahawks are coasting. Not much to say for these two terrible teams to go at each other except for betting purposes. But, um, hey, Atlanta finally gets a win. That's that's the one. That's all I can really say regarding this game. Hey, Cordero Patterson is the most versatile player in the NFL right now. Man, it's two 121-yard game, uh, rushing yard games in three games. And I'm going to say this now. They're ahead of schedule big time right now. And Marcus Mariota might play his way to another season of starting, even if he's mediocre with the interception TD ratio. Uh, his mobility and his ability to command this offense is in leaps and bounds better than Matt Ryan did last year. And besides, the only, really the only acquisition they got from last year was Drake London, if you really think about it, on the offense. Nothing, mm-hmm. no other major upgrade. Yeah. So uh, he's playing the game. He's going to get himself another contract the way if this continues. And I think he's improving. You know, he had a 99.8 quarterback rating. Good for him. Uh, you know, defense is still questionable. Seattle, same thing, though. Geno Smith played well. You know, he had a 99.2 quarterback rating. He's doing good. Uh, you know, he hit 325 yards. Pretty impressive for a guy that got hit in the face in a locker room. It's good. Run game I'd like to see more from. I'll bring that up every time he got hit in the face. Funniest story ever. Uh, and the receiving core, you know, they're spreading the love around. Very good. Uh, two mediocre teams. It's fun to watch. Uh, you know, it happens. You know, you have some mediocre blunder games. But uh, it was exciting. They both provide exciting competitive football. You know, and, and, and you know, like Brian, there's not, I mean, and Matt, there's not really much to say about, it. Uh, uh, you know, a game like this. It's, it's both two shitty teams. Um, <laughs> but I think the one thing, the one thing that really. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's funny. I like your delivery on that. And uh, you're not wrong either. Uh, Sorry, you were saying. <laughs> no, I just, the, the only, the only thing I wanted to add to this is because there's not much else to say <laughs> is that um, I think this is kind of uh, you know, a defining point, you know, early on in the season where because of the, the tone set and the way these guys play for their team, this is kind of the uh, telltale sign to an organization to keep and stick with a certain regime and, and, a, and a coach. And I think that Arthur Smith is the guy to move forward. Um, it's always yeah. easy to actually put everything at the feet of a coach when um, teams are tanking, but he really feels like the real deal. And I think the way this team plays hard for him, I think is, is a just two more matchups to go over. We have the Rams coast against the Cardinals. Would have been nice if they shut down Marquise Brown, but that was really it. Carlos throws 58 times. Uh, Cam Akers finally has a good game on the ground. Matt Stafford looks good, except despite no touchdowns. And uh, Cooper Cup getting a rushing touchdown instead. Um, Yeah, I think uh, Kyler really wants... DeAndre Hopkins back if he can still be DeAndre Hopkins. But, you know, just stacking up wins for Los Angeles. And, yeah, the Cardinals really, uh, they're turning into a team I'm starting out like covering because of this how weird in the sense that, man, this team does have, they, they somehow know how to make plays. I mean, they do have some good players in there. On offense, but on defense, I mean, it's an old, boring team that almost just likes to uh, 
if they could really make the most out of something and again, especially that lucky one against uh, uh, under Alex's expense. But um, I just look at Arizona and I see uninspiring football right now. And they're one dimensional because James Conner can't run the ball to save his life. Um, can't get separation, the so on and so forth. And you got to preserve Kyler. So you can't really run a lot of read option with him. Um, I think that, this is really going to be, you know, a referendum on Cliff Kingsbury as the season progresses. Mm. Had them backdoor. I kind of had them as a backdoor um, at, into the seventh seed of the wild card just by virtue of a weak uh, conference. But um, I'm starting to, you know, I'm starting to wince on those words uh, day by day. Um, I, I like what I saw from the Rams. They really played it, you know, more of a conservative game, more of a lockdown defense game. And I'm, I'm happy to see Cam Akers have um, ha- uh, back healthy in the mix as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I have nothing to say with that. You covered it pretty well. <laughs> and also, the last matchup, we have the Panthers breaking a nine-game losing streak. Winston struggles. Nola can't get out of their own way. The Panthers defeat the Saints. And, um, yeah, I think if, if um, Winston really is as beaten up as he's been playing lately, Look, you have Andy Dalton available. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with Taysom Hill, if he even wants to be quarterback. I, I just haven't seen any reports there or anything. But um, Dennis Allen trying to keep it together after three weeks with the Saints. And um, the Panthers really needed a win because they. I really think um, Matt Rule and his staff is not in a good place. But this week they were. So what are you going to do? Yeah, absolutely. Like Jameis should be on the should be like get resting up. Like four fractures in a back isn't even like football worried. It's like life worried. Like you have to live with the rest of your life after you retire in your thirties or forties. Like, come on. Like not playing hero ball. Your team's not going anywhere anyway. Let's, you know, no one should care about this game. I didn't care about this game. I just care about the health of Jameis Winston just because I'm a fellow human being. Rest up two weeks and fix your back. Come on now. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, it was not much, you know, it was, it was a really volatile game, a lot of, you know, back and forth possessions. Um, I was really, really just dis- gravely disappointed, with, um, you know, by Baker because you, you finally have a home game, you have the crowd behind you, and he was just routinely missing throw after throw. Um, no no guy, you know, in the receiving core had more than two catches, and I think that they only won this game by virtue of, like you said, a, uh, a hamstrung Winston, for lack of a better term. I think that um, a couple weeks off will help him preserve his body, and I have more I, – I do have, you know, very good faith in Dennis Allen that he can steer the ship. I think that his time to shine as a, as a, as a coach is, is here and now, and I think that this team ultimately, whether it happens this season or next, will be um, on the ba- back on the right path. Do you think Baker Mayfield's a starting quarterback next year? No, no. Jacoby Brissett would be better on this team. They have a I great, they have a great receiving core. Great receiving core. Great running back. A decent defense. Like it's a, it's an embarrassment that this man is playing the games he's playing. Like the fact that Sam Donald's on IR is sad because he'd be the starting quarterback by now. And, it, and what's crazy too oh, is you, me. The thing too is I, I had. Um, next week they play Arizona at home in Carolina. I had the team four and zero just by virtue of I had a little more faith in Baker coming out pissed and playing. Um, you know, 
No, well, I mean, seriously, like, you know, uh, you know, having, having surgery and, and, and playing right. more and getting integrated with that offense, I had a little more faith that they could actually, you know, steer the ship because they did have a hot three and zero start with Darnold. And I thought he was an upgrade from Darnold and they, they had a really good draft in the off season, by the way, JC Horn had a great game as well. So I want to give him a shout out, but um, I, I, I'm really disappointed in this team, particularly from uh, Baker from the top down. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the season plays out. All right, let's do this week's upsets, whimpers, and thrillers. Alex, it's your turn to start it off this week. Let's start with your upset. Like a surprise game? Um, Who do you think will be upset? So, yeah, it could be a surprise. Maybe it's obvious. What do you say? You guys are gonna you guys are gonna kill me for this one. I have the Jacksonville Jaguars upsetting the Philadelphia Eagles. Ooh, oh wow. You know I would like Philadelphia. that. I'm going on a limb. I'm going on a limb. What do you say? Why do you think they'll be pulling this off? I just think that a lot of these teams, especially, you know, being a three and team like Philadelphia is is going home. Um, they're going to be, you know, riding high on their energy and they're going to underestimate this team. But I think you, Doug Peterson coming back to Philadelphia, yeah. he's got a dirty taste in his mouth. I think he's going to be electrified as well. And I think that this team is just going to sneak up from behind and attack them. And I think that um, I saw a lot of promising things on the defense against the Chargers, um, even with a loaded roster um, for the Chargers. And I, I really have a lot more faith that they could keep this game close. And if they can get it close down to the end of the game, I think that um, Sirianni versus Peterson, I would give the hand to Peterson. I agree with that. That's very good. Excellent points. Now for me, I think you're upset. Now it's weird, but it is a six point spread. And I'm going to say Houston is going to beat the Chargers for them and get their first wow. win. They're that gonna, was my, my pick as well. For me, the, I think that Houston with the Chargers having holes on defense, holes on offense, and Houston's at home, and they still have then they still have lots to prove. I think they're going to pull it off, mess up some knockout pools, and uh, Davis Mills will not suffer from some funny business at the end of the game like he has dealt with in the prior few weeks. Chargers are going to have a tough pill to swallow with a one and four record because of Houston. I would love to hear your other perspectives, Brian. Yeah, no, you like took it away from me. I can't even pick another team for an upset because I think the rest of the games are pretty like evenly or evenly matched up. So, yeah, I feel like those are the only two real upsets I could see this this time. Hear that, hear that. Where... What are we going to say for the Wimpers this week? Alex, start it off. What games are going to suck and be oh, boring? Big my, 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 my turd pick for the week is uh, the Jets at Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> that's going to be uh that's going to be a tough one. It's going to be uh it's going to be a, a, a quite a, a, a dual, a dual match between Helen Keller and Stevie wonder. It's going to be great. <laughs> Tune in America. I say the Cardinals and the Panthers with a one point spread. There's going to be some aggravating football to watch. <laughs> you have yeah. these two former number one overall picks go at each other and it's not exciting. It's not promising. I do think that the um, Panthers will have momentum from their win last week and um, create more drama in Arizona. 
for me, I think the Bears versus the Giants will be the win for the week. I think they will be under mm. 300 passing yards combined this game. I think it's going to be <laughs> yeah, a ground and pound game between uh, Khalil Kerbert and Saquon Barkley. And yeah, I think this might be the most boring game ever. <laughs> boring. The thriller this week is going to belong to who, Alex? Uh, I got Buffalo going to Baltimore. I think Ooh. that's going to be an electrifying offensive game between the two. Um, who knows? By the end of the year, it could be between Josh Allen and Lamar for MVP. So we'll see. Yeah, that was my pick as well. Buffalo is the three-point favorites. And especially for two teams that might be able to match up defensively as well, even though you do expect them to clearly hit their overs and a lot of offense. I do think you're going to have two veteran coaches who still, who have a lot to really show themselves. Reckon Harbaugh has a Super Bowl, but Sean McDermott's still waiting for his. Um, I think this awesome matchup between two veteran coaches with MVP caliber, with MVP caliber, quarterbacks and also some electrifying weapons is going to be very, very exciting. And we can say hallelujah to what's about to happen. And also Yankees just officially clinched the ALEs. My thriller. I think it's going to be Cleveland versus Atlanta. I'm going to see a high scoring (laughs) rushing attack. In this game, I think Nick Chubb and Cordero Patterson will combine for over 300 yards on the rushing. I think Cordero Patterson is lightning in the bottom. And I think that Jacoby Brissett is going to really, really throw the ball around, you know, let loose um, as well as Mariota. So I expect like a a 31 to 28 game here. Okay. I mean, hey, it doesn't matter if it's if it's if you're the best teams in the leagues or the worst. The thriller's a thriller. So I exactly. like that perspective. But okay, gentlemen, another one in the books. We'll see you next week. First one in October. We completed our first month of NFL coverage. How about that? Now let's oh, yeah. keep it Love going. It. All right. I appreciate you, gentlemen, dearly. And don't forget to enjoy these games ahead. All right. Have a great evening, Alex and Brian. Have a good night, Matt. Have a good night, everyone. Listeners at home, enjoy. See you Thursday night. Yes, sir. Peace. It was a good conversation and productive conversation. Bravo, gentlemen. Wasn't that feisty? Love it. Absolutely love it. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. Don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at Product Convo Pod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So we might have a bonus episode for you on Friday with Ramblin' Russ Miller that he can go off on the crazy world of sports and the crazy world we live in and then we have the charming controversial and 
hard-hitting man known as William Hester making his return to the podcast. That is scheduled for Monday, and then we're back a week from today to cover the next set of games in the NFL. I hope everybody has a great few days ahead. Don't forget to check in on your friends and family. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. Thanks again to Brian... Alex and Dolo Ren for making the show possible and we have so much fun in store for each and every single one of you alright everybody make the most of your time and I will see you soon peace all she needed was some